0: are blessed this morning to have um, a wonderful contingent with us who uh, are going to come and share something. Mim, do you want to bring uh, the others with you? So we have Mim, we have Faith, we have Julie, and then we have Susan. Mim, over to you.
1: Morning everyone. It's good to see you all again. And this morning, I have the privilege of just handing over. (laughs) So, um, Faith is the director of Crane, which is the network that Viva partners with in Uganda. So she's going to tell you a little bit about uh, what they're doing in Uganda. Julie is the education manager. Um, which I know you've supported so faithfully. So she's going to share a little bit with you about the work that's going on with the getting girls back into school. And Julie, uh, Susan is the manager of the um, families and child protection work. And so she's going to tell you about that. And if they talk too long, I'm the one that's jumping up and down.
2: I told Mim that I would uh, talk slowly and let her jump up and down in church. I want to see that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. um,
2: Crane, which works in partnership with Viva, is the Uganda network that Viva supports. It is, Crane is Children at Risk Action Network in full. We have a membership of 140 organizations, some are churches, some are schools, most uh <laughs> Institutions that have children that live in those institutions. For some have been planned for 18 years or more. And so we bring those together and our main purpose is to improve the best care they can give to children. And that is through, whether it's education or uh, children in uh, safe places, to make sure that children are protected well as well. So we train them in improving their systems like their child protection, their financial systems, their people care, the way they plan and uh, write proposals so that they can do it in the best interest of the child in their care. And so a lot of these organizations start because the pastor is concerned about these children that come to church and are camped or about the street children or about all these different children in different aspects of vulnerability. So they start an organization to care for those children without thinking through systems. So Crane helps them in thinking, going back and thinking, what can we do in order for the child to gain out of this organization? And so we have priorities that we have uh, summarized in three. And one of those is children in families. We have children in education, education. And we have children in safe spaces, which just generally means that you protect children enough to give them a safe space to smile and uh, to know that Jesus is love. Uh, One of the parts that are part of children in safe spaces is child and maternal health. And of those, we have about 20 people in two areas that are slummy areas where there's a lot of houses and it's not good drainage and no, that sort of thing, where poor families stay. And these 20 people actually are volunteers. We just only give them, what is it in Ugandan shillings? about 10 pounds a month. 10 pounds is a lot. I think it's actually... Well, 10 pounds a month equivalent, and they go out to use to call families or to walk and go and talk to these families about how to look after children, especially under fives. Because we have a lot of myths about um, illnesses. For example, if a child gets banned, they'll put sugar on their ban. And so we want to correct some of those things in families so that children are looked after and they can live beyond five years old. Because at, at the moment, our concern is that not many live beyond five. And so some of these myths have got to be taken out of them. And so we send these 20 volunteers out to tell the different parents about that. If a child gets malaria, then please take this child to the hospital immediately and the child may not die If a child gets a cold, do the same, so that they're responding to illnesses as the children get ill instead of waiting to see and doing home remedies to see if the child gets better. And by that that time, it's too late for the children. So we encourage them to visit health centers and to discover that some of these symptoms can easily be treated and they're not uh, fatal. So that is just part of what is child and maternal health. At the moment, our main referral hospital in Kampala is closed for renovations. And so we have a lot of maternal deaths because either parents do not have where to go or because they are concentrated in some place and the doctors are not available. So currently we have, which was in the newspapers recently, we have a a death rate of eight babies per day in the hospitals. And so that is something we... Continue, we want to continue to talk to parents about, to encourage midwives maybe to visit these women so that they can be able to give birth safely. This is what we plan to do in the next few months if we can get the doctors that have been supporting this child and maternal health uh, getting some money towards that. So that's our prayer, that we get money to uh, do that for, for these women and for these children to be able to be born to live.
3: Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. I'm called Susan Utai and I work with Crane. Crane is a Children at Risk Action Network. I'm currently I'm uh, a manager of the children in sales spaces. We are working with, ch- with churches and uh, child care institutions. Child care institutions are places where children are, abandon- where are abandoned and on the street are put for some care, not in Yes, they are, case, they are cared for in the institution by social workers, or they call them mamas. Yeah, so we are working with churches and uh, childcare institutions to make sure that children are taken back home, and they are raised in families. We do it by promoting adoption, promoting foster care, and also helping churches to appreciate that children actually have to be raised home, at home in loving families. And also the the church to take up its mandate of loving the people around them and helping the families to embrace these children. Currently we are working with uh we, we've had this project for the last five years as Crane and one thousand children have been taken back home ever since. Yes, this is a great success, but on the other hand also we've had so many challenges because it's 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 I mean, we we get successes here, the next day you get something disappointing, or the child has been taken home, he has been rejected, or his malnourished when he left the institution, he was much better. You go for a follow up visit, and they they are not doing well. So, we work with the social workers by training them to become better. We do psychosocial support to the parents before they receive the children, that they are able to receive them well and care for them. We help the church leaders. We, we actually have a toolkit that has been developed to help them to take through the church through sermons and also the, the, the children's church that they, they embrace the child and also care. So we currently um, work with over 40 child care institutions and over 40 churches and a team of 10 staff based in Kampala. We've, uh, I'm just going to share one of the, the success stories of a foster parent. We have um, a social worker. She, she picked up a baby who had been thrown on, the, on one of the markets, a busy market, at um, three months. So the social worker took out the child and took it home, a baby girl. So uh, she was still single. Later on, she, she meets a man, and, and they're getting married, planning to get married. The man said, I can't take on that child. If we're getting married, I'm not taking on that child before we get our own. So the girl was stuck. She actually went and shared with her mother and says, if this man is not going to take on my child, I'm going to leave him. But um, the mom, of course, wanted her to get married. So it was like, no, you can bring the, the baby home. So she tried to talk to her husband, who is the father of... The, the, the mother tried to talk to her father. That, you know, uh, Stella is getting married, so, and she had got some some kid picked from the one of the marketplaces. So we, um, I'm, I'm planning that we take on this child so that the man can appreciate and take her on. And the father was not very receptive. He said, no, we don't know where the child is coming from. In Uganda, we have so many tribes, so... They're in the central part of Uganda, so you were thinking he may be coming from the north and he may be coming from the... Yeah, so we don't want to contaminate our family. But the mother was very supportive. She took on the child, and uh, the other daughter of hers got married. Unfortunately, it's been 10 years without getting their own biological child. Yet, um, but the mother took on the child. She's grown. She's now in... Uh, Form two, they call them form two. Is it uh, year two? Yes. So we went to visit her. She's a very happy girl, very chubby. Her grandfather has appreciated her. Every time he comes home, he's looking towards seeing her. So it's a great story that encourages us. So we keep praying for such homes that they are able to open their homes to receive these children, even amidst the challenges they are in. Uh, that is our prayer. We, we also continue to pray for our Social workers, because it's very straining and draining emotionally that the children come in different circumstances, even us who are not on the front line, sometimes they tell you the story and you're like, "You're crushed. Young babies born out of uh, some of them are infected with HIV they are alone living with an infected parent, one of them runs away. So we are praying for stable families. First of all, I would want to thank you so much for praying for us every time him tells us. That church is praying for us. They are lifting, up in, they are lifting us up in prayer and thanking you for, for everything you're doing for us. Can you pray that you pray for us, pray for the social workers, pray for the government? Sometimes the, 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 the things, there's a lot of corruption in dealing with police, getting their child from here, probation officers who are the social workers here. Yes, we call them social workers. For, them, for us, they are probation officers. That they'll be as receptive as they can. Because sometimes they don't even understand when you talk about um, adoption or foster care. There's a lady who wanted to adopt a child and so she was going through a foster uh, probation officer, social worker, said, why would you want to take on such a child? You come and I marry you and get a child. So they don't even understand that it doesn't have to be that... Because you don't have a child, or it's more of the heart wanting to support. Yeah, so I would love to thank you so much for all that you're doing for us, and can you pray for us as we work with these children? Thank you.
4: Good morning, brethren. Good morning. My name is Julie, and I work in the Education Department for Children at Risk Action Network. I want to thank you so much first for praying for us to get the visas. I'm very sure I wouldn't be here today if you hadn't prayed. So thank you very, very much. And I also want to thank you because you you were one single group that has helped over 1,738 girls to go back to school. Uh, the education project that Crane is doing is funded by DFID, but... If it says, I only, fi- I only support you to find the girls, get them through catch-up education, and after that, you're on your own. But you have single-handedly have found us resources to match and get the girls back into school. So thank you very, very much. Would you last just clap your hands for yourselves? Thank you. Thank you very much. And God richly and richly bless you. And we want to thank you for your prayers because it's not only about education, it's about touching hearts and changing lives for Jesus. There's so much that uh, the girls have learned through the creative learning centers. There's so many hearts, there's so many lives that have been changed. Some of the girls are living with uh, uh, learning difficulties and may not necessarily go back to informal education, but there's so much change that has happened through the six months or more that those girls have lived through the CLCs, the creative learning centers. And we want to thank you for your prayers. We want to uh, acknowledge... I want to just share with you a story of one girl... Uh, she used to uh, work at the market stall for that belongs to her auntie. Unfortunately, the auntie's children used to go back to school, used to go to school, but for her, she wasn't going to school. She would stay looking after the stall, and that's how one of the mentors found her. She was out of school. She was about 15 then, and very early in the morning, about 5 o'clock, she would go and find what and, and, and find things to put on the auntie's stall. And then during the day she would stay uh, sailing for the auntie while her cousins would go to school. So through our fishing business the mentors found her out of school. And somehow luckily the auntie allowed her to go occasionally to the creative learning center. But with time when the auntie realized that she, uh, she was missing business she, went, she stopped the girl from going to the creative learning center. And it was trouble. Uh, it was trouble for the mentor because he kept, she kept persisting. She kept asking the auntie to allow this child to go to the creative learning center. And it got so bad that we got to involve the local council and the probation people because the auntie put a stop to the girls going to the creative learning center. And when, when the local council and the probation got involved, the auntie let go and allowed her to go back to the creative learning center. But when her time at the center ended, the auntie said, there was no way I will give you a single coin to go to mainstream. That's all the education you'll ever have at the creative learning center. You will not go anywhere further so with discussions with the local council and approbation, probation, we got one of the network members, a uh, Korean mission that we have over 140 organizations who are in the network. So this school, who is part of the network, allowed to have this child in their boarding section. So this child left with only her clothes. So through the network, we were able to find for her clothes, we were able to find for her scholastic um, materials, and everything that she needed to go back to school. It's the power of collective actions, Christians getting together to change lives. She started badly in school because there was so much emotional torture. And right now, she's one of the people excelling in her class. She's going to P6. This next year because this was the last time of school and she is very, very happy to be in school. She's a very creative girl. So I want to thank you, not for only the money, but for the prayers because prayer changes lives and lives forever. May God richly, richly bless
0: you.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you. Julie. Don't go. Julie, Julie, come back here. Come back here. I just wanted
2: to add a little bit that uh, we're working with 40 staff. Uh, All of us together are 43. We have some volunteers. And therefore, we do encourage that uh, you do continue praying for us because without God, I don't think we can do the work we do every day because it's not only about the salary we get, but... uh, just God leading us to do the right thing for the children.
0: Yeah. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to praise. There's a twist to the praise. But <laughs> well, we're going to pray Pray now. And we can't... I know we'd all like to come here, and there is a lunch uh, in Lawnsmead uh, today um, where obviously uh, all four representatives will be there and we'll be able to meet them and, and spend some time with them. But now there is a great power in praying together. So you may like just to raise out a hand uh, to cover Mim, Julie, Susan and Faith uh, in prayer as I lift us up in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for drawing these women to us. We thank you for all that they teach us, all that they have shared with us the beauty of what you are doing in them and through them. We thank you for the children under their care, that you are creating family, you are bringing learning, and you are keeping them in safe places. We pray for this uh, adoption program, the total care that you give in the name of Christ. We pray that you would overrule the authorities and that you would give great wisdom and strength in their dealings. And most of all, Lord, we pray that you would touch hearts and change lives through these people because they have given themselves in your service. So we pray for their time here and we ask that you would send them back with our blessing with joy in their hearts, and with faith and hope for the future. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much.
5: Our reading is from Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 1, starting at verse 26. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be but the angel said to her do not be afraid Mary you have found favor with God you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her, in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
6: Father, as we study your word this morning, we pray for the Holy Spirit to stir us, to open our hearts and minds afresh to your truth. For your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. Mary was troubled, shaken, confused, perplexed. I'm not surprised. The Greek word, this is the clever bit, is diatizaru. That is what Luke uses, and it's the only time that this ever appears in the Bible. It's the only time that word's ever used. It means greatly disturbed, through to the limit, intensely going back and forth through thoughts and inner emotions. So, this is Mary. Fourteen, maybe 15 years old. All her life ahead of her. Being brought up in a slightly rough neighbourhood, Nazareth, it's known for its corruption and its low morals. The Galileans were said to be a rude and uncultivated lot, influenced by the Gentiles they mixed with. It was not well thought of in its day. Nathaniel is even quoted in John, asking if anything good can ever come out of Nazareth. It was situated halfway up a hill Uh, And at the top, there was an incredible view. Uh, To the west was the Mediterranean Sea, and to the east were the mountains. And Nazareth was nestled in the middle of this mountain. From the top, you could see the village with its whitewashed stone walls, single-story houses. One of which belonged to Mary and her family. Her parents had tried their best to raise Mary to be God-fearing and to learn her scriptures. Not an easy task in this environment. Exciting times were ahead for Mary. She was engaged, practically married to a decent chap they'd managed to find from the village. Not a bad looker, decent job. (laughs) They wouldn't be rolling in it, but you could make a decent enough living out out of carpentry. A good, solid life awaited her. Maybe we can identify with that. I've got all my life mapped out. I live in a nice place, with nice friends, with a nice social life. Everything's pretty much how I'd like it. I don't really want God coming in, upsetting the status quo. I don't really want God coming in, asking me to do or say or live in a different way. I'm quite comfortable where I am when, bam, out of nowhere, her world gets turned upside down. What awful timing. She's pregnant. So many questions must have gone through her mind. What about Joseph? What would her parents say? What would her friends say? She'd be ostracised. Well, there goes the life she thought she'd have, right out the window. Thanks, God. Brilliant. No wonder she was troubled. I've always thought of Mary as a a quiet, submissive type. But now I'm not so sure. Maybe she was more of a risk-taker. Maybe she was a bit feistier than I've given her credit for. I'm not a risk-taker, definitely not an adrenaline junkie. Let me give you an example. Guy and I visited um, an aircraft museum which had a flight simulator. This was about 20 years ago. It wasn't a fancy flight simulator. It didn't have 3D. It wasn't a surround sound O2 experience. It was really basic. It was basically a box on a moving platform. We queued up with a bunch of schoolchildren. Um, and as I sat down next to one of these schoolchildren, it started... On the projector was a little biplane. It's all in sepia. You know, it was black and white, practically all in sepia. And the, 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 the aircraft started chugging down this this little runway, this little little airstrip, and everything started moving. Um, I'm not great in confined spaces, um, and uh, and as it started, I I panicked, and I looked up, and I mouthed an apology to Guy. And I hit the emergency stop button. (laughs) The seven-year-old I was sitting next to was not impressed. (laughs) So back to Mary. Yes, she was disturbed. Yes, she was troubled by an angel suddenly appearing out of nowhere. I'm not surprised. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid. But she still had concerns. She had very practical questions and reasons why this wouldn't work. The main one being, she hadn't slept with a man. Mary was being taken completely out of her comfort zone. This was not her plan for her life at all. She had everything sorted. Nice village life with her carpenter, get married, then have a few children. But how did she respond? Yes, she was was fearful and she had questions. Well, that's reassuring. She didn't just roll over and submit. She was confused. She challenged it all at first. This is comforting. It's okay to have a discussion with God about our lives. It's okay to have a bit of a disagreement, maybe. I must confess, to having quite a discussion with him recently about the direction of my life. We're not just innocent bystanders who don't have a choice. Uh, My temptation is always to run away and hide. I like being in my comfort zone. It's comfortable, it's warm, it's safe. I remember when I was um, studying uh, my nursing qualification back in '92. Um, I failed one of my course modules, Um, and my first thought was to run away to Scotland. Don't know why Scotland. I'm sure it's lovely. It was just probably the furthest away from London that that I could think of. Um, But I didn't run away. I made the choice to stay um, and finish what I'd started. But it was tough. So what changes Mary's mind? How did she get from worried and questioning to accepting and thankful. Well, we know that she was well-versed in the scriptures and that she came from a Jewish family. They would have prayed and followed the religious festivals, so she had a good grounding in the faith. She believed in God. Not just a bit. Not just when she felt like it but she truly knew God to be real in her life. Can we say the same? She trusted in what the angel told her. He goes on to explain how Elizabeth would be having a baby in her old age, showing her the God of the impossible. Although it involved huge change in her life, she was ready. She wasn't going to press the emergency stop button. She was going to hold on tighter and enjoy the ride. So this Advent, are we ready for Jesus to come in and disrupt our lives? Do we trust that God has our best interests at heart? Do we trust that he came so that we could have life in all its fullness? It will probably mean getting out of our comfort zone, It often does. But we're not alone. Mary was not alone. We have each other. We have the promise of Emmanuel, God with us. We have the Holy Spirit to empower and equip us. We have God our Father. What a team. So this Advent, are we going to press the emergency stop button? Or are we going to hold on tighter and enjoy the ride? Let us pray. Father, Advent is a time for waiting. As we wait this year, help us to reflect on our lives. Help us to become ready personally for the arrival of Jesus in our world and our lives. Give us the courage and belief in you to be ready to say yes to whatever you have called us to. Our world needs bold disciples to speak your truth. Help us to become the people you have made us to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.